One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away for another Vaughan boundary. <laughs> Well, he's a great fieldsman, Philip Tuffner. He often falls over and he's brought it into his batting as well. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Vaughan and Tuffers Cricket Club podcast brought to you by The Telegraph. Ben Wright here, joined by Michael Vaughan and Phil Tuffnell. We are back and we will be with you every Wednesday throughout the summer. And what a summer it should be with Australia in town and one of the most anticipated Ashes series in years. As usual, we'll be joined by some of the biggest names in cricket, and we've got a very special guest lined up for today to kick off our Ashes coverage. Former Australia coach Justin Langer will be in alongside the three of us in the studio. We'll get his take on the job Brendan McCullum is doing, and if the Aussies are capable of halting the hype train surrounding England. We'll also pick his brains on what it's like to coach in an Ashes series. Langer himself tasted success in two series, both here, in the UK, and down under. We'll also check in with the Telegraph's Nick Holt, He'll be providing the news from the England camp throughout the summer and we'll be getting the latest from Edgbaston from him a little later. Okay, Michael Vaughan, Phil Tufnell, welcome back. Yes. Uh, we covered England's best year of uh, Test cricket for a long time in the, on the podcast last season. Uh, are we going to trump that this year or do you think it's going to be like the uh, tricky second album? <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be back, yeah, Mike, nice to isn't be it? Back. Nice, nice to, to be, be back. back. The sun is shining and the podcast is to begin. Beautiful. And the Aussies are in town. Oh, well, well it, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm so, so excited. I, th- I think it's going to be like two heavyweights just slugging it out. Last man standing. Yeah. Um, really looking forward to it kicking off on Friday. Uh, there's going to be so many little sort of, so many battles, tactics. Who's going to count out on top? Brilliant. Can't wait. Phil, uh, if, if you're talking about heavyweights, yeah. I'm going to describe these two teams. I, I think England are like Deontay Wilder. Oh. <laughs> they're going, nice. for, they're going early for the big blow. They, fi- they, they want to finish it in the third. Yeah. <laughs> right. They're going out. He's, he's coming out boo, straight into them. The Aussies, I, I think they're more like Tyson Fury. Yeah. You know, I think the Aussies are going to try and box a little bit, bit old school. Yeah. They'll have nice, strong defence, but they've got the hammer blow. Yeah. That left paw that Tyson Fury's got. I think the Aussies will try and win it in the eighth or the ninth. England, Deontay, I think they're going to try and win it in the third. Yeah. So you reckon they could be spark out in the third as well? Oh, without any question, it could go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at Deontay's defence, it's a little bit wobbly. It's a little bit, well, he doesn't really have one. So if Tyson gets him early, yeah, yeah, oh, it could dear. be done in the third, but it, it might not be the way that England wants it to be. I think I'm right in saying that Fury built beat Wilder three times he did it, it, but it was late wasn't it it wasn't like early yeah. but Deontay is dangerous the England <laughs> yeah. side is dangerous it's dangerous um, you've obviously both played in the Ashes what makes it so enormous and and which do you prefer the home test series or playing in Oz uh, well what makes it so great is history uh, tradition all of those things wrapped up into one for me. You know, when I was selected to go on my first Australian tour, um, you, you, I really did get that sense of that. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm not particularly that kind of guy when I was when I was 21 or something, yeah. whatever it was. But I mean, it really did come over me. You know, and uh, and you get your coffin, you know, and your cricket case and what have you, and your jumpers and your hat, and it says on that cricket case, you know, Ashes tour, mm-hmm. and you just think, oh my life this is it this is big time and then you turn up there the country's brilliant isn't it they're all very very knowledgeable about the cricket the grounds are brilliant uh so it's just everything wrapped up into one for me it's just something yeah. special as a cricketer yeah it's uh, what where you want to be uh, I, well the ashes defines they it, whatever whatever you do good or bad um it defines your career 
yeah. as an England player, as an Australian. Whether that's right or wrong, it's the truth. It's the fact. You know, the England supporters, Australian supporters, whenever you walk down the street, they don't. You know, they don't talk to me about the West Indies trip in 2004 or South Africa 2005 <laughs> or beating New Zealand in 2000. That's irrelevant. It's about the Ashes, yeah. 05, 2, 2, 2, 3 that I played. Phil played in quite a few in the 90s and, and Phil will be remembered for what yeah. he did, bowling the Aussies out at the Oval. Yeah, yeah. In 1990... No idea, Mark. No idea. In the, in, <laughs> let's just say in the 90s. You know, and, that, and that's what you get defined for. I mean, it's just got so much history. And, and, and players, you never want to admit it when you're in the series yeah. because you know it's too big. It's yeah. too much of a, a pressure zone. But you know that if you get 100 or you get a 5 for or you take that winning catch yeah. or you do something special, um, it'll be replayed forever. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that special rivalry as well. Obviously, you sort of you, know, you have rivalries all over the place, don't you? You know what I mean? But there is something, I don't know what it is about it, but it's something special in England, Australia. Do you know what it is, Phil? Because when you're playing and you're playing against them, you hate them. Yeah. But actually, you, you're thinking... I actually don't hate them. I quite like them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish they were on my side. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the point about the rivalry, yeah. isn't it? It's because they're so similar to us. Yeah, they're, they're good. Yeah. They're generally good people. Um, you know, so are the England sides, and you know, usually uh, it, it's 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 those that can handle the pressure the most. Uh, and I think this series in particular, uh, I think it's very very easy. You write the teams down on paper. In terms of averages and stats, Australia have got the better averages and yeah, stats. Absolutely. But I think in English conditions with the Duke ball. The Aussies not winning here since 2001. Yeah. Um, but this juggernaut Australian side are very, very relentless. Good but shout. this England side play this, well, it's the best It's the best England cricket test team that I've seen in terms of entertainment and the way that they play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the stakes are always high for the Ashes. But in what sense are they they even higher this time? Because it's almost test cricket is on the line, isn't it? It needs to, it needs to have a good series to get people... Yeah, excited. Well, we've seen what this England side has done in in, in fourteen, fifteen months playing um, the likes of New Zealand, India in that one-off test, uh, South Africa, Pakistan away, New Zealand away. The whole country are excited about watching this England yeah. side legacy. I heard mm. Pat Cummins say the other day, you know, the Aussie team haven't won here since two thousand and one. They drew the last time, and I think you look at Warner, Steve Smith, Pat Cummins, Stark, Hazelwood. Do you see them being around in four or five years' time? Lion. Maybe not, Lion. You know, I think the Aussies are looking at this tour and this series as their legacy. You know, the old Aussie teams of the 90s used to come here and win from Alan Border's 89 side. That was kind of what Australian cricket was built on in our generation. And I got a feeling that Pat Cummins and his team feel that they could do a similar thing and almost like send the next generation of Australian cricket fans and players on that same kind of journey. So uh, we're in for a ripper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going to hear, uh, get the latest from the England camp from uh, from Nick Holt in a minute. Um, but obviously, England have played uh, Lords a couple of weeks ago. They played against Ireland. Uh, Australia have just beaten India in the World Test Championship final at the Oval. Um, Phil, probably fair to say that we learned more from the latter than the former. <sighs> they played well, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> I've been, uh, I've been mildly confident. You know, up, up until that game, you know what I mean? And they came out and looked strong, didn't they? Even the way they caught in the slip cordon and things like that is usually a good sort of barometer of where the side is. And they caught fantastically. They fielded fantastically. You know, I, I've always been sort of like thinking, you know, uh, can this sort of, you know, England batting lineup dominate these yeah. Aussie bowlers? And I've kind of forgotten about all their batters as well. You know, you've got the <laughs> likes of, you know, Kawaja, Labashane, Smith, Travis Head, yeah. you know, Carey. And Cameron all their, Green. Cameron Green coming in at seven. Mitchell Stark coming in at eight or nine. He can give it a wallop as well. Can we get 20, can we get 20 wickets? So I'm sort of like two in and throwing, uh, you know, confidence-wise. I think it's going to be snip and tuck. But yeah. This Aussie side look like they're I, here. They look like they mean business. I, I said England 3-1 before that yeah, performance at the Oval. Right. I watched them at the Oval. Oh, no. No, yeah, <laughs> might have got that wrong. Yeah. They, I mean, the they, thing about the Oval is the slightly... Unsung players, Scott Boland, Travis Head, oh, as you Scott mentioned. Boland. Scott Boland's their best bowler. Yeah. Oh. I, I, know, I know that is a big shout, but he's played eight test matches. Yeah. He averages about 14, 15. Yeah. He is relentless. Yeah, he won't play every machine. test, five test matches. I don't think any of the seamers will play every test match, but he is a bowler yeah. and machine. Wobbles it either way, bowls that relentless length. And it's how the flashing blade of England kind of <laughs> plays Scotty Bowler. I mean, Cummins is similar, Hazelwood, but... You know, they've been here before and England have faced them, but Scott Bowling has just got this uh, incredible yeah. record 
Um, it, it's it's intriguing because you've got this very very impressive juggernaut from Australia who looked like a, a well-oiled, yeah. disciplined, test match, yeah. traditional side. Hardened. And on the other foot, we've got this this England side that's played this brand. They've scored at four point eight five runs and over in the last fourteen test matches, mm. which has never ever been done in the history of the game. And their preparation has been playing golf in Scotland, <laughs> probably having a few jars. They prepared like a pub team. Let's be honest. That's what they've done, and they're trying to clear out and, and pub say team. They, well, it's basically they, them saying that you know Test cricket is played in the brain and in the mind, and yeah. it is a lot yeah. of the, the high level sport is played in the mind. But have they prepared their skill enough? You yeah. know, and my concern from an England perspective is the bowling. Yeah, you know, you look at the bowling. Moen Ali hasn't bowled with the red ball for two years. No. Mark Wood hasn't bowled with a red ball for seven months. He's not bowled one ball no. for Durham this summer. No. Ben Stokes has got one leg and he's bowled six overs to a stump at St. Andrew's Creek Club. Um, Jimmy Anderson's not bowled for six weeks. He's got a dodgy groin. Ollie Robinson's got a dodgy back. He's had a couple of jabs in his back this summer. And you've got Stuart Broad who bowled nicely against Ireland and there's talk that he not, might not play in the first test. So they might actually go into the first test with a bowling attack that haven't bowled. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 I get and can understand what England are trying to do in terms of the mindset. Yeah. It's like they know their skill. They know they're skillful. My concern is the body. Yeah. You know, bowling is still yeah. difficult. Yeah. Being out there for a day and then another day and then doing yeah, it a yeah. day after, how are those bodies going to be filled? You're, yeah. not, you're not selling it, Mike. You're not selling it. Yeah. <laughs> all no, of a sudden, there again, you see, yeah. I've just sort of swayed the other way. But it's now. easy. It's, it's all right I to clear know. the mind and you, they're going with no external thoughts and yeah. it's a freedom and it's a fearless approach. Enjoy it. Love it. But my concern is the body. Yeah. yeah. The mindset's something, the skill is another thing, but they've got to be fit. Hold on. Well, yeah, you're talking about that top 5% played in the mind. Well, that underneath is the 95%, <laughs> which is all about the they body. They might need a few, bar- might need a few wheelbarrows to <laughs> wheel them off at the end of a day's yeah. play. <laughs> but, it, but, but then again, we had these conversations last year, right? Yeah. But New Zealand were turning up. They had a great attack. We said this is, that's going to be a problem. India also had a great attack. We said that would Absolutely. be a problem. The batting, I don't worry about. Yeah. I, I uh, think the batting will find a way. Of, flat pitches, uh, Mike. Yeah, I, I think our, our batting will, will find a way of putting this bowling attack under a huge amount of pressure. My concern is yeah. 20 wickets <sighs> and how the body is going to withstand yeah. bowling with the red ball. So if Moen Alice to bowl 25 overs on day one, yeah. how is he going to get up the next day? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, we've mentioned Moen Ali. Obviously, the big news coming into the Ashes was the fact that Jack Leach is out. He's got a yeah. stress fracture at the back. That news came out the day you had written a, um, an article, Mike, mm. in which you said he might be in the linchpin, the, yeah, the sort of the main guy for the team. So he's that's bought, obviously a huge blow. He's bowled a thousand more balls than any other bowler under um, this new regime. So he, he, he has become the pivotal figure of the bowling attack, particularly if Ben Stokes can't bowl a lot of overs. And you've got to think that Ben's not going to play a full part. No. Nah. He, he can't play a full part with, with his knee. No. Um, yeah, so Jack's basically been so good for the team for holding an end, and it's allowed Ben to rotate the three-seamers from the other end. Now, if Moen Ali can't play that role, and they suddenly hit the spinner, and they have to keep going back to the Jimmy Andersons, Stuart Broads, Ollie Robinsons, Mark Woods, bit of Ben Stokes... Um, this this Australian team is smart. They, they'll know yeah. that they'll try and wear England's bowling down by doing that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I was talking to Jack not so long ago, just before the Ireland game, and uh, the spinners' role has changed in Test match cricket. They know now this might help Moen Ali mm. actually with his sort of T Twenty kind of stuff yeah. and what have you, because. They're not just patting you around nowadays. They, the spinner comes on and you know they're looking to take you down. So that might, in a funny sort of way, actually aid Mo. Yeah, get him a couple, yeah. 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 Mm. Uh, and we, uh, we're talking about Ben Stokes. We're talking about uh, uh, boxers. Is there any <laughs> any hope, any sense that he might be Muhammad Ali doing rope-a-dope and he's, he's lulling us into, a, uh, into thinking that he's, he's more injured than he is? No. <laughs> I don't think so. Not with that no. knee. Mike, you know about knees. No, he's, knees his are knee's dodgy. not great. No. No. I mean, if, if, if his knee was okay to bowled at least 10 overs against Ireland, yeah. just to get a few overs under the belt. Um, again, it's it, 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 he may bowl. No problem. I think he will bowl spells and he'll make a difference at some stage. But again, his body. Yeah. <laughs> You're worried, Mike. I'm, not, I'm worried about bodies. It's like You know what it's like if you go to the gym for the first time in two, three, four months. Yeah. You can't get out of bed the next day. Oh, yeah. So it's all right doing it 
for, for one day, but a test match is a, an attritional game. Yeah. And then these five matches are coming in the space it's of, what, six and a half weeks? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm worried about the bodies. Yeah, no, no, test match. Uh, say, Ashes series is always about, it's, it's a marathon, not a yeah. sprint. It's no point just going out and looking flashy first test match. You've got to have the stamina to stay the course. Yeah. That is the whole thing. Mentally, I'm talking about, you know, up the upstairs 5%, but also physically as well. Yeah. Can they stay the course? And and as Mike says, it's truncated, so there's Absolutely. no recovery time. No, there's one there's one breather, isn't it? And that's after the first yeah. test. Yeah, you know, there's a you know the, the women's Ashes test at Trembridge, which will be great. Um, and then obviously the last four test matches are pretty much yeah. Get ready, get ready, lock yourself in, get in, get in those ice baths. Yeah. <laughs> Right, it's uh, strange to think that the uh, last Ashes, just over a year and a half ago, we were in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, England were on the receiving end of a pretty heavy defeat. The man in charge of Australia then was Justin Langer, and I'm delighted to say that uh, Justin joins us now. <laughs> Hello, Hi, Ned. Justin. How Hello. are you? Hello, mate. Very nice to be in <laughs> London, actually, without a big smile on my face. No pressure watching Ashes <laughs> cricket. I just watched the World Test Championship. Yes, of I course. I got sunburned, believe it or not. I'm in L- London, and I actually, the boy from Perth got sunburned. It was a perfect <laughs> weather. It's like this all the time in London, isn't it? Yeah, well, not really. Right but I mean, we have we have rolled it out for you. Uh, as you say, you were commenting for the World Test Championship. Um, the boys played pretty well at the Oval, didn't they? I thought it was a great test, actually. I, I thought the whole test match, I was re- very surprised Sharma, Robert Sharma won the toss and bowled for one. We made the same mistake four years ago when oh, yeah. Tim Payne, one of the only times I ever had a disagreement with Tim Payne when he won the toss and bowled. I, I nearly <laughs> fell off my chair. I said, well, we <laughs> talked about this half an hour ago and we ended up winning the toss and bowling. Um, Rohit Sharma did the same thing. I thought first morning, I was talking to Vaughan off air, that uh, David Warner out just before lunch, Manus Labashane just out after lunch, I mm. think it's game on. And then that partnership between Travis Head and Steve Smith was the difference in the whole game. But it was a great test match, brilliant yeah. to watch and, uh, you know, worthy of the World Test Championship final. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're talking about the Ashes, obviously, um, leading up to the first game this weekend. Um, you've been involved in some humdingers in the past, both of us, a player and a coach. Mm. Um, what's the difference between being a player and a coach for, for something like the Ashes? Oh, there's no... Well, I've been asked, you can imagine, many times before... What you know, coaching and playing, nothing replaces playing. Yeah, absolutely nothing replaces playing. Um, and then cope because there's a lot of things when you're a player, you've got some control of the outcome. When you become a coach and you're you basically shift to your instead of you and a few of your teammates, you shift to not only your players but also the staff and the board and the the media and the there's so many other stakeholders that you're involved with. So very, very different, and honestly, nothing replaces playing. Is there more pressure as a coach or as a player during an Ashes? Oh, I think generally, I'd say uh, maybe as a coach, because you, you literally, as soon as the boys walk onto the field, yeah. it's it's everything's out of the out of your control. When you walk onto the field as a player, yeah. there's pressure, obviously, and you. You certainly know you're alive. There's much more adrenaline when you're playing. Yeah. So from that point of view, and you've got to get into the fight and you've got to get into the action and you've got to, you know, you're facing fast bowling. So there's that sort of pressure. But when you coach, you're literally, there's just so many stakeholders. It's you, I honestly felt like I was working 18-hour days, whereas when you're <laughs> playing, you do you, you train, and then which is awesome, and then you go out and you bat for as long as you can and then... You know, you feel five days, so you can switch on and off, but not as a coach. You're never, ever switching off. You mentioned stakeholders. Which of the stakeholders are the hardest to manage? I think, even though we're all thick-skinned, Vaughny, I honestly think the the media, because it's brutal. I mean, now with social media and, and even though we've been in the game a long time, it still can be, you know, it can hurt. And it can be, especially when it's about your players and you're trying to stick up for them and it's out of your control and then it becomes like a bushfire, right? So I think that's a tough one. And the hardest thing was really, I was interesting talking to Ravi Shastri when he was the head coach of India. He was never a selector. 
And I look back on my time, and that's probably the hardest thing in terms of stakeholders is selection. Because in Australia, it would be the same in England. You can't win. You mm. literally, and I probably, it took me six months to learn that because I took it personally. I, you know, if I picked you, Vaughn, I should have picked Tuffers. Oh. Or if, because you're, fr- because <laughs> you're from Middlesex <laughs> and you're from Yorkshire. But in Australia, it's you're from Victoria, you're from New South Wales, you're from the States, and they're very parochial, mm. and you can't win. You can't win. So after six months, I thought, you know what? Okay, that's my starting point. You can't win. So I'm just going to pick what I think is best for for us to win that test match. But the selection, and then you've got the fallout. You've got to have the tough conversations with the players, um, and that's part of it. You get better at it. But so I think the media is the number one because it's such a big distraction now. And then number two, obviously, is the players. The rest of it, you know, just get on. And, was, you know, uh, was there one article or one comment that hurt you more than any other from the media? The hardest thing through my period at the end of my coaching was that I'd fallen out with my players and that literally broke my heart because anyone who knows me, like my, all of them, and, and to this day, to this point, I, I saw them all all this week. I saw them all throughout the whole summer. They are, they're, yeah, they're like your sons. Mm. <laughs> you know, you have four years with them. They're like your sons. And then I kept reading that I'd fallen out with my players and nothing ever came out ever publicly about my fallout with any of my players. But that became the narrative and that's the thing that hurt me the most because I, you know, I love my players. I, I still do. I still keep in touch with every all of them. And that was the thing that hurt me the most. Where, where did that come from? Yeah. I wish I knew, honestly. I, there was a real, it was really funny. And this is all old ground, right? This happened three years ago. We lost to India. And a journalist rang me after that loss to India because, you know, and I was, again, Ravi Shastri would be the same in England. You're expected to win all the time, right? So we lost to India in Australia. And after that series, I got a phone call from a journalist and he said, uh, I'd like to do an article on you and your relationship with your players. And I looked at oh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, awesome. And I honestly <laughs> thought he was going to talk about how we've got, even though we've won, we've got this, and he goes, oh, I'm hearing some whistles. I went, what? I nearly <laughs> fell off my seat. And then it was like, that was it. It just went, became this bushfire and you cannot put it out. And it was, oh man, that was the, that was the killer. And, yeah. you know, as a head coach, you can't please everyone, right? That's just life. As a dad, you can't please everyone. That's just life. You know, you've got to make some tough calls, but that was the, Thing that hurt me the most, and then you, it was literally a bushfire. And but like I say, that was that first phone call probably came nearly three years ago. Yeah. I reckon we lied two and a half, whatever it was. So you know, it's all fun and because yeah. by, by the time you left, you'd just beaten England in the Ashes. You were Test number one side in the world. You won the T Twenty World Cup for the first time ever. First time ever. Yeah. So there must be some residual bitterness from that. Ah. At the time, no doubt. And it, of course, you know, yeah, it hurts. But every coach would tell you the same thing. Every captain would tell you the same thing. We all go through tough times. So at the time, but with the passage, passage of time, 18 months on, you know, I look back, we went through a really tough period. We first sandpaper gate. Yeah. That was really tough. And then we had... Because that's when you came in. So you were, you were picking the team off from its sort of lowest ebb. Yeah. And that was a great project. And then we went through COVID yeah. for two years. <laughs> You have two year, or a year and a half, whatever, in a bubble for eight months. So there's lots of pressure going on in that period. And then, um, so I look back on it and really proud of those four years. And then as things are, we, we, we keep evolving and moving on. And the, the team's in a really good space now. And they're in a really good space, I think, for the Ashes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, there were some suggestions that came out in the press that your, your style was a bit in, attritional, a bit intense. Do you think that that was valid in any way? Well, that's me. <laughs> no, honestly. I'll yeah. vouch so, for that. Yeah, absolutely. I'll absolutely. That. Absolutely. That's me. Yeah. But that's my. That's what I got bought in for. Yeah, love that. And that's what uh, helped me with my as a player. Yeah. And it helped me as a coach. Like I've been, I was head coach for twelve years. I came in because that's what I do. Yeah. But anyone who knows me also is at heart, I'm a, I'm a bit of a hippie, you know, like, but but when it comes to projects and watching the ball or getting into the fight with the opposition, you have to, to be successful, you've got to be switched on and you've got to be, so yeah, absolutely, I'm intense, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But that's me. Yeah, yeah. Some people are really laid back and that's cool and I'm so comfortable in that because when I was at high school, people used to go, geez, you're intense. 
I was high school, and that's thirty five years ago. So I've got to, I've got to get pretty comfortable in my skin. Yeah, that's me. But I also say, it depends how you um, define intensity, right? Don't ever mix up intensity with honesty. Yeah. You know, oh, whether it's a you are going so well, and I'm so honest, and yet so passionate. Or come on, mate, you could got to pick up a bit. Yeah, it's either intense or honest or passionate. So, yeah, but I'm intense, yeah, I am. You mentioned honesty. This year, I mean, uh, I haven't been in a dressing room for, oh, I've been in the odd social dressing room, having a bit of a laugh in a game of cricket or a game of football, but the the kind of the modern generation players is a different person to when we played. Did you find that as a coach in, in terms of the way you had to manage them? Yeah, absolutely. well, yeah, and, and again, that's the evolution, right? So I started playing with Alan Border. Yeah. My God, and Bobby Simpson. Like if I'm intense, if you reckon, if, think, if people think I'm intense, I'm like yeah. one out of a thousand compared to Alan Border. But that's how I was brought up. Like AB and David, but they did not talk to us. So we'd have to have any honest conversations that never talked to you. I thought we were taking their spot in the team. So, and, and this is life. I mean, this is, cricket's no different than everything. We've got, our, we've got our kids and their pressures with social media now. And we talked about the media and there's so many outlets. It used to be one paper and da-da-da. And it's just different now. So, But that's okay. That's all part of when I first started playing cricket, I, I remember my third test match. I scored 63 not out and batted all day. You imagine that. <laughs> but over time you evolve. So by the end of my career, I was a lot more aggressive and da-da-da because that's how the game evolved. And it's no different than coaching. Or and how you communicate with it, but that's the art too. In as a head coach, literally there is very little cricket strategy. It's all about managing people. Mm. It's all man management. It's you know. And I remember we took go back to the honest conversations. One of my, the great experiences of my life, Vaughnie, thank to you, thanks to you, was leading up to the Old Trafford Test when we just had the Ben Stokes, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point today. The Ben Stokes innings. Mm. I then have lunch through Vaughan with Sir Alex Ferguson, one of the great experiences yeah. of my life, right? Alex Ferguson, like I've studied him, I'm a coach, Alex, and within two minutes of being in this, um, we haven't even sat at the table yet. So Alex Ferguson says to me, look me straight in the eyes and goes, just remember, son, truth works. <laughs> I, I said, what? And I was with Steve Waugh. I said, did, did you see what he said? I said, can you say that? He goes, yeah, truth works, son. Always tell the truth. I said, there's my next tattoo. I'm going to have truth works. <laughs> Alex Ferguson somewhere. Alex Ferguson. Truth, but it's actually true. Yeah. In life, there is no greater advice. And that's coming from Sir Alex Ferguson, one of the greatest of all time. But actually, it could have come from my grandfather. It could have come from my grandmother. could have come from some of my... From Alan Border, could have come from anyone. It's two of the most powerful words. Tell the truth. Yeah. Tell the truth. And that doesn't mean sometimes people think telling the truth is being confrontational. No, no. Because I could be telling you Absolutely. you're the greatest person of all time, and that's telling yeah. the truth. Keep getting no. Yeah. Look, <laughs> so truth works. Truth works. And that's Alex Ferguson. And you ask about it, Vaughn, even to this day, even with you deal with the modern day player or my children, I've got four daughters, truth works. Mm. Tell the truth. And if that's intense, okay, that's okay. Truth works did and he, they're powerful. Did he buy you a nice bottle of red wine? I bet oh, he did. oh, nice. Likes his oh, rat, yes. Oh, what a lunch. <laughs> <laughs> put it this way, put it this way. I missed the training session before the Old Trafford Test match. I had to ring and say, sorry, guys, I'm not coming to training. Steve War and I had come over with us as a mentor coach. Assistant coaches, all yours. We are not leaving because I just yeah. – they'd been drinking beautiful red wine. But <laughs> the conversation was like – it was so cool. It was so cool. And one of the other yeah. things he told – I learned from him, and I think about this in the – of me not being head coach anymore. He said, when we lose, I always go away and I look at – ask myself what I could have done better. Because he said what everyone else does, they point at everyone else and say, da-da-da-da-da-da, you know, it's their fault. He said, but every game we lost, the very first thing I did, I look at myself and say, what could I have done better? Okay, that begs a follow-up question. A great... What could you have done uh, as your time as English, uh, Australian coach? Well, you've done pretty well. well <laughs> you ne- you the... nearly said England coach, though, well, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> you nearly oh, got well, He was linked. Was linked. <laughs> yeah. Were yeah. there conversations? There, we'll there, come back to there that in was, a minute. Um, there's probably... 
there's moments you you would have done bit differently maybe, but that's when you're in the moment like. At the time, it just feels like the. So what do you mean could, by that, Joe? What tactics or sort of like oh, or no, just no, man management no, not or cricket, things like yeah, that? Like um. Yeah, I remember getting grumpy with the team. We'd just been beaten um, in a one-day international by England when we were all at uh, Old Trafford and we had a run chase and uh, we were one nil down. Uh, we were one nil. I think we won the first one. We lost the second um, and we had a massive collapse. And But the problem is we'd had a few of those big collapses, almost unlosable games happened in the T20s. And I got grumpy in the change room after. And if I look back on that and I let emotion take over, and when I talk, if we talk about some of the footy, no, 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 throwing, none of that. But I, but I, but I, I was, I, uh, I was emotional and I, I was thought, ah, oh, if I look back on it. And then the next two days later, and then we saw it next day, boys, I was a bit grumpy yesterday. Yeah, no worries, all good, all hugging. We had a game of uh, touch footy or something. And then the next day, two days later, Glenn Maxwell and Alex Carey had the greatest run chase of all time. And we ended up winning the series, right? right. So then you say, I regret that. But then two days later, we have this amazing run chase. We win an an unwinnable game. And so then you think, oh, I I wish I'd done that. But the only time you make a mistake is when you let emotion take over from facts, I think. And that, but look. Could I have done it? Yeah, I could have, yeah. Yeah, but that, that, that but kind that's of, life. That's so also that, that, coaching. That's all trying to push the right buttons. and Yeah, but that button might have been pressed by you being grumpy because the next game it well, that's produced a point. partnership, so what's right and what's wrong? That's yeah. right. That's and the being whole emotional point. is a form of honesty as well, isn't it? Well, yeah, it is. Well, it is, but I think you've got to. And, and the other thing is when in that period, what people often forget is everyone's human, right? So we had Sandpaper Gate where we had – 12 months without Steve Smith, without David Warner, copying absolute abuse when we came here last time. But that's okay. I mean, that it is what it is. And then we have COVID hit. So you can't be a, you can't be a robot either. Mm. You know, we're on the road all the time, but we were in bubbles. I had, I had in COVID period, I had four lots of two weeks in isolation by myself. Like wow. that's just what it was in Australia. Mm. We, and in Western Australia, particularly, Four weeks where I sat in a bedroom and weren't allowed to have a hotel room. That that, but we're not. Yeah. We're human, right? We're so t- we talk, we talked about jail and intensity. I can remember one of the first games he played for Middlesex. I think it was Leicester or something at Lords, and he'd gone out there and he was getting stuck in a room like that. And he's come back in at, at, at lunch, and Middlesex was a bit of a laugh, really. We was all you know playing well and whatever like that. And he's coming like that, and the old head and the eyes were like that. And he's come up to me and he's gone. He said, "I'm looking at the bowlers." He said. They can't bolt at me. They can't bolt. They don't want to bolt at me. They don't want to bolt at me. They don't want to bolt at me. And I looked at them as well. So when he came out after lunch, I was looking at the bowlers, and you could see in their eyes that they did have found it. They got about two hundred and fifty or something like that. But loved it. Loved I'll tell you what about that story. And this is a great thing about life and cricket. We're actually playing Somerset. Yeah. I got a duck in my first innings. Oh, was that it? Yeah. yeah. Second innings. Yeah. I'm facing this bloke called Andy Caddick. Yeah. <laughs> And I thought the biggest knob I've ever <laughs> met in the game of cricket, and it was the worst sledging. You are the worst batsman. It is an embarrassment that Middlesex have got you over. It's my first time batting at Lords. I'm excited. And this guy's going, he got me. I got out for a duck in the first and the second is you're the it's a disgrace. I can't believe they picked you up. You're the worst overseas player in the history of county cricket. <laughs> and he just kept going ba 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 and I ended up getting two hundred and fifty, right? And every time I kept whacking him further, I'm the worst batsman there. and then Caddy comes smacking him in, he's getting more fired up. So anyway, he slid, I think, this bloke. And then I played him in Test Creek. I thought, he is the worst bloke I've ever met in my life. And I played with him at Somerset. One of the best blokes I've ever played with in my life. And that's how it works, right? So the opposition are often, you go, you know, it's like, it's like and I worked with NASA this week, right? NASA, I used to play against NASA. I go, mate, never smiles. Angry all the time. Sledge me in the years over the, over the, um, in the media for whatever. I'm in the commentary box with him this week. I made a laugh on our heads off. I got how good a bloke's this bloke. <laughs> Never really met him. I only knew him from playing against him or hearing him in the media telling him how bad I am. 
And I'm meeting this, we're having a, and we're having a laugh and we're joking around. So there you go. That's the beauty of the game. You were talking about uh, Australia being set up well for these Ashes. Um, what about England? What have you made of their transformation since you last played them? Because it's, uh, it's been quite a ride. Yeah, it has. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I thought last series there were some interesting selections when we played and yeah. uh, some interesting tactics. Um, but <laughs> Not half. <laughs> well, yeah, it was, it was, Stuart, which was good Stuart for us. in the first yeah, time. But, was but, but, which was good for us, right? Yeah. Um, but it's been fascinating to watch. You know, there's obviously a lot of buzz around the, about the way England are playing. I can't wait for this s- series. I mean, if Mo and Ali, I was with having breakfast with Punter this morning and we're talking about if Mo and Ali does come in, he's coming in at eight. You've got the three quicks. If that's the way England go, man, like, it's going to be a, it's going to be exciting to watch. But, a but all, yeah. there's a lot of batting. But also Australia, and we saw that in the this week at the Oval. Uh, Australia got a very good bowling attack. Yeah. They've got some headaches. They've got, they, they've got some, and I'm so glad I have to be the the selector who doesn't pick one of them. Yeah. But you see, they've got a great bowling attack. Do you think Basball can you you can play Basball against that bowling attack? Time will tell. Well, yeah. Time will tell, and because everyone said. They said, we're just going to smash Nathan Lyon. That's what I'm hearing. They're going to attack Nathan Lyon. But I'm watching this week in the commentary box and going, Robert Sharma, Sue McGill, Virat Kohli. And I'm watching from the up in the going, yeah, but it's not that easy to do. Mm. It's not. He is a – and I actually think he could be the difference in the series because mm. England don't have a world-class spinner, and that's no disrespect to Mo, but he's a – you know, he's a – a good offy, but he's not. He's not um, Nathan Lyon. He has a bold. He, he ain't bold. No. <laughs> so that could be the difference. And look, I, England are going to go about their business. They they will, but Nathan Lyon's not that easy. And I never realised this until I started coaching Australia. I didn't realise how good a bowler he is. Mm. And you know, I'd get to be able to sit behind and take it in the in the baseball mitt, or I'd be watching. I did not realise he is a very very good bowler. Hard to get away. And incredibly important to Australia because not only does he take wickets, but he bowls a lot of overs yep. and traditionally holds up one end. What what makes him so good? He's got this amazing shape. Yeah, for um, when he comes over the top yeah. and just drifts a little bit, but he gets the bounce. Yep. But he's so accurate as well, and he bowls. He is like Smith and Labashay, and you've never ever seen anyone practice more than those two ever. Mm. And I've seen blokes practice that they're just junkies when it comes to practice. Um, and Nathan Lyon's the same. He just, I remember they used to talk about Morley. Morley, they talk about him. It was legendary how much he would practice and hit the same spot. Nathan Lyon does the same thing. He just loves bowling. He's skillful and he's just so accurate. Like all the great spinners, he's so accurate. Well, that, mm-hmm. ball, that ball he got Jadeja out with, you know, uh, from nowhere, really. I mean, that was, what was that, second day or late? Second over. He only bowled two overs. Yeah. And it's he just... bowled the second over. Mm-hmm. Gets Jadeja, who's starting to get a bit of a roll on. Yeah. Um, we, yeah, we were surprised because of that. Ashwin didn't play that World mm. Test Championship. Yeah. Jadeja's good, but Ashwin's like, he's brilliant Magician. as well. And I just think also, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but it's been very dry over here. Yeah, oh yeah. So therefore, you can't fake it with the wickets. I mean, nature's nature. Yeah. And if the ball starts spinning at all, I think Nathan Lyon's going to have a huge part to play the, in the, the series. The Aussies this week leading into Edgebaston, you know, they'll, they'll have team meetings. I don't think England have team meetings anymore. They just play golf and have a laugh and then turn up. But that's the portrayal of what they give us. Uh, I'm sure they have one or two meetings that we don't know about. But Australia, when they're in their meetings, what will they be saying about this England side? And, and, and who are the kind of key components that they'll be talking more about? Well, I, I guess the challenge will be, like everyone's saying, and they'll be saying the same thing. Okay, no worries. You're going to come at us? Come at us. Because Boland, Corey's machine. He's a machine. You talk about accuracy, Corny. He is a machine. He worries me more than any of the Aussie bowlers. Well, but but the other thing is, remember Hazelwood's just as good at him doing that. Mm. And then you've got Cummins, who to me is once a generational bowler. Like he is, whenever the under the press. See, in the first innings, 
he got Sharma out and the captain v captain. That was a big dismissal of the World Test Championship. Mm-hmm. That's like, okay, captain, go at it. Um, and then Stark as well. There's, a, there's talk. It would be so hard to leave Mitchell Stark out. One, he bowls over the wicket. He provides that rough for Nathan Lyon. But he's also, since the, I think he only played one Ashes test last time we are here. Yeah. And the challenge to him back then was, okay, because there'd always been talk he's a bit bit loose and bit inconsistent and you can score off him. So I said, okay, no worries. I want to go about my business. And he has just improved his consistency out of sight. And he's six foot six or seven. If he can swing the Duke's ball at any point, man, swing, you know, left armers in this country, swinging the ball back in. Mm, 90 mile an hour. He's a star, so uh, yeah, it's going to be really, really tough. So I'm just glad I don't have to do the selection this week, but it's a really tough. So, and then, of course, you've got Cameron Green. Yes. Cameron Green, I, I don't know if you guys have seen him. He's yeah. young. He's had some issues with his back in the past, like Stokes he's got with his knee at the moment. But I don't know if you saw that, but he's six foot seven. seven. <laughs> Imagine him as your fifth bowler. Yeah, you know? he took a great catch in that oh, game yeah, as well. Yeah. That massive mitts. Both yeah, sides. Yeah, both sides. It was like his an mo- albatross. Yeah. Like that. It's one of the best catches I've ever yeah. seen. So I think what will Australia be saying? They're going, okay, there's a lot of talk about it. When they start coming at us, take a breath, take a breath, and let's just keep doing what we do. What, yeah. what, do, you, do you see the Aussies doing what? So New Zealand last summer, good, good attack. India came for the one-off test. Probably undercut, but again, yeah. it, they had a bummer in the team. Good attack. South Africa's bowling is very, very good. Pakistan in Pakistan, not quite the attacks of all, but still it's in Pakistan. And these teams always seem to almost talk this language. Yeah, we'll, we'll let England come at us, but we'll just keep bowling our best ball. Mm. But every team so far has spread the field. Every single team have gone, oh, no, boundaries are coming. Cover point on the boundary, square leg on the boundary. Before you know it... Yeah. The best ball and the ball in two or three and over is just a nice, easy forward defence going Same square point. the wicket, get down the other end. It's an easy single. Forney, I, will, gonna... will the Aussies say, okay, that's fine. We're going to keep the squeeze on. But I'll ask you the question. I'll come back to you with – well, let's go back one point, one step. Last week at the Oval, India is very even. Travis Head smacks – He's gets off. He's just been – he's been batting like Gilchrist or Pant for the last 18 months. It's amazing to watch. But then India spread the field. Yeah. And over here, but my question back to you is, the first time we really saw that was in 2005. And we were coming, and then all of a sudden you put the deep point back, and we're going, what's happened here? And that, because you like hitting boundaries, right? But I agree, a cha- they, they've gone a bit too far the other way. You might have one position out there tactically, yeah. but now they spread the field yeah. and it, there's one. no pressure. Yeah. There's well, no the, pressure. The key, the key for me is if you if you put your – so you're a, a real strong square of the wicket offside player and I want you to stop that. So I'll put cover up point on the boundary. You'll notice that we always had extra covering quite tight because we always felt if you're going to play the drive, we could get you a catch. So that was a, a catching position at short extra cover. But also backward point came in tight. Yeah. I see too many these days where cover points on the boundary yeah. and they've got two or three slips and there's a massive gap from the slips right through to extra cover. Yeah. Yeah. Now you've got to have your behind the square offside fielder in place for that best ball, Dink, you can't get an easy single. Mm. Even if it's at the expense of one grabber. Even if it's at the expense, because you're basically saying, all right, we're worried about the boundaries because we don't want you to score too quickly. But you can't allow that easy single. And that's what I'm seeing. Momentum. India did it against Gives Travis. Momentum. I actually yeah. saw Australia do it in the in the second innings. Actually, they spread the field too. No, soon. that's the point. I agree. And and uh, let's say Hoggard was bowling in 2005. You're right because I knew there were still ways of me getting out, caught at, at, at short cover or or the backward pointing close. So I've got to be still on my guard with not trying to get too loose to hit it out there. Yeah. But you had those guys in amongst it, right? Even for the drop. And he was cutting off my boundary. But you are 100%. I see it too much now. Yeah. They spread all the field and then there's no pressure. As a batsman, the only pressure you're under is if you yeah. can't score a run or get yeah. off the strike. If you spread it all, and I think that's going to be something that both teams actually, mm. I, haven't, I haven't seen much of in, uh, England or Stokes' strategy in the field. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about the batting, whether he will do he's that. I don't captain. know. No, what, 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 what he does is he, he basically says to the bowlers, we're, going, we're getting wickets. So yeah. Baz McCullum captaincy for New Zealand, four slips, five slips, yeah. uh, short extra cover. Basically, all the fielders are in positions where they believe the ball might go in the air. 
It was especially that's, true in Pakistan, wasn't it? Yeah, that, yeah. that's that's Ben's style. If Captain Jack yeah. Leach unfortunately misses the series, but you look at Jack Leach in particular yeah. in the last year and a half, Ben said mid on and mid off Europe. If you want to go over the top, not a problem. Yeah, right. You know, he's been a, a revelation in terms of his, particularly in the modern game of captaincy, because mm. you know the modern world of captains, particularly to spin his mid on straight back. Deep mid-wicket, straight back. Yeah. You know, they like to get in the yeah. game with a few overs, it's whereas Ben be, is on old-school style getting. It is. It's going to be intriguing, isn't it? It's really, I'm really excited. Yeah. And, and by the way, just to not to put all the uh, pressure on Phil, but Phil actually gave Jack Leach a coaching session before the season. He's not even going to be there. I told him, I know, I think I might have stuffed him. <laughs> <laughs> I told him to just get through a little bit. Yeah, you heard his back. <laughs> you <laughs> might have saved him. You might have saved Leach. Because I reckon the Aussies might have come hard at Jack, like they did... Well, actually, uh, Last series in Australia, it was absolute strategy for us. Leach comes on, we're attacking him. Yeah. Because we were hoping England would say, okay, we're not going to play a spinner in Australia, we're going to play four seamers. And that's, we know, in our tur- on our turf, you, you can't play four without, you've got to have mm. a spinner in Australia. So that's what, and we did it, and then it put England under massive pressure because the thing, they didn't have the holder, and we just, if you remember the last series, we deliberately went hard at Leach. Yeah. They'll, they'll go hard at Moen, won't they? they do, it's a test cricket. Or will they, they just do. sit on maybe. Him knowing that the bad ball might come? Yeah, maybe. I th- Well, yeah. I, I, I don't think they, well, they might. It depends on how many overs Stokes he's bowling, mm. I would imagine, and how fit he is, because they want to, it's always, we're going to wear him down, we're going to wear him down. That's what they'll be saying with the, um, the batting side, so we're going to wear England down. We're going to wear them down. We're going to wear them down. And that's hard. I mean, Anderson's brilliant, uh, whoever. And But see, England have also got dilemmas for selection as well, right? We go back. Oh, we didn't pick, they didn't pick Stuart Broad. They didn't pick James Anderson for the first test at the Gabba, which... <laughs> were you what? doing cartwheels? I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I was very surprised. But England have got the same dilemma mm. moving forward. Who are they going to pick for... Are they going to go Mark Wood? Because that extra pace and the you know the bounce and did it, or are they going to go the more? And if we're going to play on flat wickets, like mm. there's also been, it's just going to be a shootout of runs. You've still got to get. What's the What's the conversation in a in a, a dressing room about Broad and Anderson, and what you do against them? Well, it depends. In Australia and England's very different. Mm. Duke's ball and a kookaburra is very different, and I imagine. And this wouldn't be a surprise to anyone, but their records in Australia would be very different than their records in England. I, I think I, yeah, don't, yeah, I, I yeah. don't know statistically, yeah. um, but they'll have their ways. For example, Manus Labuschagne. I don't know if you saw the World Test Championship. He and he's learned off Steve Smith. Right, Steve Smith's the greatest problem solver I've ever seen in the game. That's why he doesn't sleep. He doesn't sleep at night. No, 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 you guys think I'm joking. He well, doesn't sleep. Phil, Phil I, didn't, I didn't sleep, sleep either. Much either. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you're, you're, sorry, yeah, that was for different reasons. You weren't thinking about cricket in the in no. the pub or the wherever your night comes. Of course you weren't thinking about that. Steve's just a bit different. He lies in Barely his bed. Awake. He lies in his bed like this all night and just thinks about how they're going to get him out. No one's a better pro- So, But what's happened is that he's now master apprentice, Steve Smith and... Manus Labuschagne, they, they drink coffee together, they eat breakfast together, they eat lunch together, they eat dinner together, they play tennis together, they train together, they talk cricket. That's all they do. Jeez. It's, uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, they're, but they're rippers. But my point is, you ask what, how, what they think about Anderson and uh, Broad particularly. Last test match, Manus Labuschagne, and they did a really interesting analysis on it, I think with Punter, why are you standing so far out of your crease? And he said, well, I've looked at all the statistics and I know exactly where the England bowl or the India bowlers are bowling. So if I'm this far forward and they hit me on the pad, then it will go over the tie. And he'd worked out. And I thought, mate, it was like a mathematical equation. I was getting confused. But they've, what my point is, those guys will have, particularly Smith and Manus, they'll have really clear ideas how they're going to attack them. Did you ever think, Phil, that you'd be like in the same breath Steve, Steve Smith. Smith. Well, there you go. Uh, we yeah. both don't sleep very much. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it, mate. I'll take, take it. it. Take it. There must we, be something to it. We better move to Phil's either or. Just before we do, um, before Brendan McConnell got the England job, your name was linked with it. <laughs> Were there conversations? No. Oh. No. Would you have taken it if there was? No. Well, I, honestly, I read it. I kept reading about it. You know, you know I'm going to be. And then it was. 
Oh, they didn't pick him because he's too intense. I go, oh, you're joking. I haven't spoken to anyone about it. <laughs> Tru- the actual truth is when I um, I just finished with the Australia, I was in quarantine again and I spoke to my great mate Straussy and he said, mate, I've just seen the press conference. I've got to ask you the question. If we do, uh, and I said, Straussy, after the last four years, I was completely exhausted. And it, it, it is, or yeah, I was again, Ravi Shastri, who comes across as the most laid back dude in the world, he talked a lot about it throughout this test. It is exhausting. Yeah. And the thought of then Oof. go from four years, and it's got nothing to do with England. It's got nothing to do with, I wouldn't have, I haven't coached since. I haven't coached for the last 18 months because that period, and I'd come off six or seven years head coaching Western Australia and the Scorchers. So, that, so to answer your question, no, there was a conversation because I said to Straussy, mate, I'm, I'm cooked. <laughs> I'm cooked. And I, I, look, I think it's been brilliant for the game. Brendan McCullum, I think Ben Stokes, it's great. Because no surprise to anyone, I love test cricket. I think test cricket. And we've got to be really protect the, the integrity of international cricket. And we saw that with the final. Because the thing is difference between that and franchise cricket is the whole country. It lifts the whole country or it deflates the whole country. Mm. In Australia, there was just – we just did this test and there was like uh, – they averaged 800,000 views at night, which is extraordinary. The numbers are through yeah. the – you imagine the ashes this week. Mm. Oh. You imagine the ashes. So it lifts the whole country. Yeah. Franchise cricket doesn't do that. That yeah. lifts one state or that lifts one county or that one, one city. Or what, But that's different. So uh, let's – protect the integrity, particularly test cricket. What, what about the future for you in, in coaching? Would yeah. you get back in? I'm not sure yet. I've loved my life the last 18 months. You, you think about for 30 years I've spent 10 months away from home and two months at home. The last 18 months I've spent 10 months at home and two months away, and I'm loving it. And I've got so many great projects going on. Life's good. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, don't, I Actually, I'm not sure yet, mate. Either roars, JL. <laughs> uh, first one, Ricky Ponting or Steve Waugh? <laughs> Can only choose one, JL. <laughs> only choose one, mate. It's tricky, I know. Batsman or captain? Well, uh, human being. Seriously, oh, that's, that's a low Seriously. blow. <laughs> oh, man. Um, captain and batsman, go on. Go on. But, all right, we'll do three. Go on. Huh? We'll do so you can choose the batter, you can choose the captain, and that's right. We'll, we'll not do the human being. That's <laughs> no, correct. No, that's correct. See, that's I, just the no, I literally and call me. I love them both. Yes. I'd run through brick walls for both. And they call me an idiot, but they just oh, no, they were brilliant to me. A uh, batsman, I have to say, Ricky Ponting. Right. Okay. Captain. Captain. I would say Steve War, only because of. He backed me one million percent, and that had a big impact. Okay, um, next one. Watching highlights of Headingley two thousand and nineteen, <laughs> or chewing broken glass. <laughs> God. Smash a glass now. Smash a glass right now. I'll eat it in your studio. Give me it. Smash some glasses and I'll start eating them right now. By the way, Jay, how, how was you, did your foot ever recover from kicking that oh, bin? Oh, that's so funny. Oh, that. man. After that documentary, yeah. we were able, they said, the, the director rang us and said, are you happy with it? I said, oh, there's only one scene you've got to take out. He goes, what scene? He goes, when I kicked the bin, when Nathan Lyon missed that run out. He goes, oh. What do you mean? I said, you, you, people think I'm a psycho. You think people are <laughs> I've kicked the flipping bin. And it, he goes, yeah, but, mate, you see what you did next? Yeah. I said, what do you mean what I did next? Nathan Lyon, we're about to lose the ashes. And da-da. He goes, you picked up all the rubbish. <laughs> oh, no. And he said, one of your values in the team is humility, and you picked up all the rubbish. Sweet, yeah. So there you go. It was, um, but the other thing about this eating glass, yeah. that night, I was sitting in my hotel room in Leeds on FaceTime to my wife, Sue. She goes, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? What am I doing? She says, what are you drinking? I said, I'm drinking scotch. 
She said, darling, you don't drink. <laughs> I said, I do tonight, darling. <laughs> I was sitting in my room, not only drinking the scotch, smashing and eating the glass. I would much rather eat the glass than ever watch that ever again. Oh, my God. Well, talking of bins, uh, pedal bin or swing bin? <laughs> Which one's your fancy? Which one's your fancy? <laughs> Come on. <clears throat> well, the pedal bins are usually metal, aren't they? And yes. the swing bins, let's go the um, swing bin. Swing bin. Okay, here Travels we go. further when you kick you're, it. You're an idiot. <laughs> First class idiot. <laughs> uh, oh, this is an interesting one. Now, the Wacker or Guildford? Now, because Guildford, of course, you scored... 340. Highest first class school. Yeah. Oh, Wacker. Wacker all day long. Yeah, I love the Wacker. Yeah. Love the Wacker. I'm a, you know, no, I love the Wacker. Love the Wacker. Mind you, we'd bat at Guildford every day, wouldn't oh, we? Oh, it's, it's a postage stamp, oh, isn't it? Oh, oh. Small, no, that isn't it? particular day I was there, they actually <laughs> moved it all out as the biggest boundaries in the world. Right, last one, mate. Um, Make it a good one, Phil. Yeah. Um... Oh. <laughs> 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 this is better be good. Um, uh, Sandpaper or jelly babies? <laughs> well, I only learned about jelly babies in this country. <laughs> nice, aren't they? Yeah. They're lovely. <laughs> yeah, lovely. <laughs> They're the best jelly babies in the world in England. I, I think they are magic. The English jelly babies, beautiful. Beautiful. Done. Well done. Nice. Mate. Brilliant. Justin, thank you so much. Uh, it's been great talking to you. Anytime. Right, let's get the latest. We're joined now by the Telegraph's cricket correspondent, the chief cricket correspondent, no less, Nick Holt, who is up in Birmingham already. Uh, Nick, what are you picking up around the camp? Well, England have only just arrived, actually, for the net session that they're having this afternoon, their first one uh, since arriving from the golf trip. I can see the pitch. The pitch is uh, open to the elements, and it's very, very brown. There's not a lot of grass on it, not a lot of live grass anyway. So I think Ben Stoke has probably got what he wanted when it comes to the pitch. Yeah, I was going to ask about the pitch, but um, what do you think that means for the bowling attack? Are you hearing any big whispers about who they might be picking? I think it's going to be between Robinson or Broad. That seems to be the general uh, feeling at the moment, but we'll have a better idea after their next session this afternoon. They'll have a long next session today, probably the longest one of the week, and then England will make their decision based on that. I don't think the pitch is going to make a lot of difference to their, to their uh, decision-making. Uh, Moen Ali is set to play. He seems ready to play. We just spoke to him about five minutes ago, and um, you know he, he was telling us his story and, and how he's ended up back here in Test cricket. Um, he actually said that... Um, he expects Australia to go after him. And if he was them, he'd do the same thing. So he knows what's coming. <laughs> what did, did he speak about the, the phone call and, and how the call-up happened? Who rang him? When was it? How long did it take yeah. him to decide? He said it took a couple of days, really, for him to think it over, talking uh, to his family and to his wife. Um, obviously, uh, it was Ben that was that was persuasive. as a guy you can't say no to. Um, he said that... Uh, Brendan's already told him it doesn't matter how you perform, just go out, just go out there, and um, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You know, um, he's very much only looking at this as a one-off. He's not talking about going to India in the winter or resurrecting his Test career or anything like that. He just, in some ways, he says that, that he said that that's uh, that's a good thing. He's got, he feels no pressure. The only pressure he's going to feel is the occasion and the crowd. But obviously, he's used to handling that sort of thing, being an experienced Test and IPL cricketer. But uh, having they said that, he hasn't bowled with a red ball for quite a while. Did you get the feeling that he was sort of confident or, you know, relishing the chart, the, the, you know, the opportunity? Certainly relishing it. Um, he was talking up the amount of bowling he did in practice at the IPL. Uh, and I think when you're doing that, then you're struggling, really, because he won't have done a lot of uh, bowling uh, in practice. Um, so I think he knows he's going to be relying on on his experience. Um and and he he's got to get used to very quickly a different environment. Um, he said he knows that Ben is going to post very attacking fields, and he says, "Oh, that might be a bit expensive." So, uh, so he, he knows that um, it's going to be very different, and that the pressure's on him straight away. But he seems very relaxed. I mean, you guys know Moen, and he, yeah. he's like that, isn't he? He's just he's he's very very laid back, and he said that uh, in many ways he wished this environment had been around five or ten years ago. Uh, Halty, any, any news on who won the golf trip and, and will the golf trip continue <laughs> this week? There's still a few days to go before the, the start on Friday. Will there be at the Belfry or Little Aston? There's a nice uh, few courses around the Midlands. Oh, well, absolutely, I think. Uh, England have actually bagged training uh, for the 
every morning, two days, uh, two days out and the day before the test match throughout the series. Now, that goes back to the last Ashes tour when we were in Australia and the Aussies booked the, uh, the morning session every time. So England had to train in the heat of the afternoon. So a bit of tip for tap there. England are training every morning. Nothing to do with the heat. Probably more to do with tea times. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you. Right, that's all from us for today. A huge thanks to Justin Langer for joining us. It's worth mentioning that Justin will be part of the brilliant team of cricket experts writing for The Telegraph throughout the Ashes, so make sure to keep an eye out for his columns in the coming weeks. If you're new to the podcast, Mike, Phil and I will be here every Wednesday throughout the summer. You can check us out wherever you download this podcast. I'm reliably informed that we're also available on YouTube. If you have any feedback for us, it's much appreciated. The address is cricketclub at telegraph.co.uk. We're always very keen to hear from you. We'll be with you again next week, looking back on the first test between England and Australia at Edgbaston. So until then, goodbye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.